could have put the microphone on mute. I just sat on my balls. Here, you take your time. My 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 left eye is closing. Oh oh god! Stay with us, Tony. Don't go to the light. Hello, and welcome to the Cozy Cub and Dower Bear Podcast. I am Robbie Dick, your Cozy Cub, and let me introduce you to your unjoyful Dower Bear. We ungentle is the word that we settled on oh okay <laughs> what we, what literally no no we're not doing it again because literally it was 10 seconds ago bitch should have written something down oh my god hello how are you i'm great are you i'm about to yeah. change that are you crying i am, I am. This is, I can't believe you just literally like, like 10 seconds ago, you're like, what's the word again? I'm like ungentle. And then you're like, hi, my name's Robbie. And this is the un, unjoyful. That's what you sound like. Welcome. Welcome everybody. I love you listeners. I, I love you too. listeners. I don't care too much for cozy cub. Oh, it is what it is. I'm sorry that you had to find out this way. Well, I, there were hints. Yeah, there were definitely hints. There were hints. Probably. I can't. One, oh, good. I can't say this all came as a surprise. No, it shouldn't have. So it has been a hell of a week, hasn't it? It feels uh, like. Yeah. It feels, it feels like, like a long time since we did the last episode. Yeah, it's only been a week. Yeah. And then I posted it late, so technically it hasn't even been a week for the listeners. All seven no. of them. All seven regular listeners and then 12 random listeners here and there. Yeah, people who just like show up and be like, what is a Cozy Cub and Dower Bear podcast? And we're all like, let us show you. And then they nope out of the entire thing and never come back. Yeah, they're like, what even was that? I'm going to say we screwed up because huh? last episode we were talking about how we were going to read this magic kitten mystery. Uh, oh, black yeah. magic kitten. And then uh, and then I was like, I don't feel like reading that one because I read the first couple pages and it wasn't bad. I just, it, it seems well, like it was going to be a little long for what it was. And I was uh, like... Uh, also, like... Even though that was the start of a series, it was also in the middle of a bigger series. Yeah, and I think you can read it as a standalone, but... It says in the foreword you can. Yeah. I just wasn't feeling it. And I don't know if it was... Yeah. the. That's not to say that the book was bad. We'll probably come back to it. It was just a little bit on the long yeah. side, and I didn't feel like committing to a, a cozy mystery think, that was long. I also think we, like, we should have done it like the week or two before. Yeah, so uh, several things because it happened. was a Halloween book. That's true. So we're a little bit late on that one. I don't know that it's a Halloween book. I just think it, it's about witches. So it's yeah, but it's throughout the year. Like I don't think she just writes them for Halloween. I could be wrong. No, but no, but like I don't know. It seemed like it was going to be like very Halloweeny, mainly just because of the cover. Yeah, but then you were like, "Well, then pick another book that you want to read." And I picked another one. And I was like, "This one seems like it'll be fun," and then didn't read it because something happened 
that's called the election yeah i do want to point out i got halfway through this book oh well you're halfway further than i am because i didn't even start it but uh yeah the election happened and it kind of derailed everything like i had i had no desire to read anything except for the news every day just refreshing the election results refresh 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 i think that's what we were all doing and it's over but it's not over we still have still have some stuff to get through apparently (laughs) but uh so we just it's it's basically over true but there's just some fuckery that's got that's gonna happen we all know it yeah oh yeah like there's gonna be recounts there's gonna be lawsuits yeah there's a lot that's gonna happen between now and confirmation of the of the electoral votes well, I want to give a shout out to Rachel, who is one of our regular listeners. Shout out to Rachel, who actually... Yo, Rach. I was supposed to invite her to, to do this podcast, but this one was not the one that I intended for her to do. This is the one that we had to do because I didn't read the book. <laughs> so in the future, we're going to invite Rachel on as a guest of honor to discuss a Hallmark movie. We will do the real one later this one where today we are going to be discussing a hallmark christmas movie and that's by necessity because uh as previously mentioned we didn't read the book so we have rachel rachel will join us for a discussion of a movie to be determined oh cool maybe the next one yeah so other than the election election. stuff did you do anything exciting not really um i'm going through uh sarah j mass's uh catalog uh just because i'm just kind of getting ready for the new brandon sanderson book to come out on the 17th i don't know how any of that's related and don't interpret that as me asking for an explanation (laughs) it's it's really not related it's just this is fantasy i'm just i'm just going for like low-grade fantasy so until like you know my 17 hundred page book comes out okay well everybody that just goes to show you that cozy cub is more than just a one-trick pony and it's not all cozy mysteries he enjoys cozy mysteries yes he enjoys a, a good 180 to 200 page quick easy breezy cozy read before he jumps into a seventeen thousand page epic <laughs> yeah so, you uh, are watching going- the mandal we're watching the mandalorian we are again i don't feel like in the venn diagram of cozy mysteries that there's a lot of people watching the mandalorian there might be i would say i think i think there's probably more more likely to be watching the mandalorian than like let's say hp the lovecraft country probably it's probably a safe that's probably a safe assumption yeah star wars is a cultural phenomenon i don't know if the housewife set is really super into star wars they might be but it is on disney plus so if you have kids you're familiar with disney plus and you're probably you might be watching it with the family yeah i i know of at least one housewife who loves star wars the trip to little rock to go and get your new to you vehicle is coming up so that should be exciting you're finally going to get rid of the uh yes the truck, the truck that you just spent more money than you should have to get it to pass inspection. Yeah. Well, I also think that was because Firestone was <laughs> screwing me over. I think if it had been a uh, not rainy day that I went to that other inspector 
and Firestone hadn't have switched all those light bulbs out and gave me a dud, I would have passed. I don't have anything exciting. We're in the middle of COVID. That sucks. So there's nothing going on. This no, is how bad it is. Really. I watched YouTube videos of people bowling. No, no, no. Talk about the other thing you watch on YouTube. You're going to have to clarify. I don't know what the hell you're the, talking the, about. The thing you showed me. The fox. Oh. <laughs> I watched videos of... Oh, God. What was his name? Finnegan. The fox. Finnegan. Finnegan. The fox. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, that meant a lot more to you, Robbie, than it did to me. I just enjoyed watching a domesticated fox play around. It was very and, it was and, very cute. Yes, they make the cutest freaking noises and they're adorable. But uh, I know. So now Robbie wants a fox. That's what it, that boils down to. I mean, I don't know. I'd be very scared to own a fox. I mean, I think you could take them if they ever went cray cray. They're not they're not oh, strong my, animals. Oh, oh, I'm not worried about like the, the the fox itself. I'm more worried about like the people around us if we owned a fox. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know what people would do if you had a fox. It'd be like, remember the scene in Beauty and the Beast where the villagers come with the pitchforks? You think that's what people would do? You could have been like, you remember the scene in The Fox and the Hound? Oh, yeah. There was fox hunting. That probably would have been a more on-the-nose reference than Beauty and the Beast. Maybe. But I made my decision. Oh. Well, twasn't a good one. So today we are going to be discussing, are you ready for this, everybody? Window Wonderland. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, hold on. We got to do Steve first. Stop it. I know. I was oh, okay. l- just letting people know what is in the pipe, what we're going to be discussing today. Oh. And oh, that is Window Wonderland, which is a wonderful Hallmark Christmas movie starring the indomitable Kyler Lee. <laughs> <laughs> you may know her from nothing you've seen um i feel like a lot of the people who read cozy mysteries have watched Grey's anatomy i like her i like the actress a lot i actually thought she was too good for this movie oh well that is a glowing recommendation for kyler lee i enjoy her in supergirl and i like her character it's just you know it's cw writing but it's- yeah yeah she's her just like a lot of the people on supergirl and all cw tv shows are doing the best with what they are given i feel like she should be a bigger star than she is i think so too like she's beautiful she's talented uh she can cry on command it's great she does yeah she she does believable action scenes like she's really good i don't know why but she's had so many false starts well you know her brother was a power ranger so it's kind of those are some big boots to fill <laughs> oh i thought you i thought you meant like him doing this ununion show this non-union show is really holding her back it would appear uh so <laughs> let's uh let is let's jump right into steep it or stop it shall we let's do it do you want to do it you want to jump right in we're gonna discuss some tea boil up some water grab a tea bag and drop it now that it's time for steep it or stop it uh nothing goes better with a cozy mystery than a hot cup of cozy tea and today's tea that we'll be discussing is a, another wonderful offering from the folks at puka p-u-k-k-a yeah. i'll be horrified if it's puka i don't think it is probably puka i'll have yeah. to look it up 
But you know what? I've committed to Puka this far. I was to say, man, are we, are, are we like nine deep? Like, yeah, this is nine. Well, this would probably be like six or five for Puka. I think it's six because yeah. we started with Puka. Yeah. So I'm committed to calling it Puka at this point. Yeah, unless they've we never, get like corrected. They've never come to me and said, hey, you're pronouncing it wrong. And guess what? We're not getting paid for this. We're not even getting product. We're just giving them free advertising because I bought a ridiculous amount of tea in a sampler box from Puka. That is true. This tea is called Nighttime. I feel like whoever named this just got lazy. They were like, it's a tea that you can drink at night. So we're just going to call this Nighttime. It's similar to the folks at Celestial Seasonings who named their Sleepy Time. This tea is described as a dreamy blend of oat flour, lavender, and lime flour. This one doesn't say that it is decaffeinated. I'm assuming if it's nighttime. One would think. Yeah, unless it's like the episode of Golden Coast. Yes, this is naturally on the back. It says that it's naturally caffeine-free. Okay. Which episode of the Golden Girls where she was taking a... When she was drinking uh, like, like super caffeinated tea. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then hadn't slept for, for days. Like, yeah, like for like weeks. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the tea. Let me go ahead and give it its, uh, its sniff to see what kind of bouquet we're dealing with here. Okay, this smells a lot like the, what was the tea that we did? Not last time because that was Earl Grey, but the one before that. The, the, the one that you couldn't get a flavor off of? no the chamomile one. Oh, the chamomile yeah yeah yeah, yeah so Actually, i know this, this is... isn't i know this isn't chamomile but it has that same scent that same uh oh wait till you taste it oh boy okay well let's oh, go no, ahead no. yeah i think i like it okay we're, we're gonna go ahead and jump right into this and, and take a taste and see you're gonna like the way you look It's a very delicate flavor. It's very chamomile. It is very chamomile. And for not having chamomile in it, it's very identical to the chamomile tea that we drank. We were going to do another chamomile tea today. And then we're like, oh, no, that would be too similar to the one we did last week. Let's do this nighttime blend. Eggs on our face. It's the exact same thing. Yeah, it's the exact profile so this is going to be a quick one because we gave the other one a, a definite steep it and yeah, since we're steeping tastes, it. yeah since it tastes exactly the same as the other tea so that's that <laughs> i am so glad that we took the time to do this episode of steep it or stop it with the exact Ooh. same fucking tasting tea as a, a tea previously steep it. yes robbie it's a steep it Wonderland was released November 23rd of 2013. It was written by Tippy and Neil Dabrowski, directed by Michael Scott. Scott. Michael Scott? Michael M. Scott. Michael M. Scott. Isn't Michael Scott the name of, the, of Steve Carell's character from The Office? 
Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was thinking Adam Scott when you said that. Oh, all right. Well, keep up, Robbie. That's not who I was talking about. <laughs> Sorry. This is rated TVG, so it's safe for everybody. <laughs> and what was it, G? Yes, there was nothing that was even close to putting a P in front of that G. No, no. It was, it was very enjoyable. So here's the cast of characters. It stars Kyler Lee as Sloane Van Doren. That is one hell of a name. Sloane Van Doren. We have, Which, oh, go ahead. We both thought her name was like Sheila for like the first or half. Stella of the or something. Because yeah, honestly, if they said it, I didn't pick up on the name other than an S sound. And then somebody yeah. may have said it very quickly. The, the name Sloane isn't something that you that you, when it hits the ear, your brain automatically autocorrects into something real because nobody is named Sloan. No, and actually looking at the cast list, there's a weird spoiler in the cast list. Is there? Yeah. Uh, So then we have Paul Campbell as Jake Dooley. Uh, Then we have Naomi Judd as Rita Dorantella. She was Uh, like, Ashley, you're not the only actor in the family. Yes, Naomi Judd with her plastic face back in 2013 it looks like somebody took like her face and pulled it to the back of her head and rubber banded in the back that's probably exactly what happened yeah then we have a um terrence kelly who plays a man named mac and i see what you're saying we're gonna leave it as mac yeah uh there is an actor named maddie finocchio who plays fitch that is the store manager with a pencil mustache yeah yeah, and, I actually forgot about him. And then there is a Cameron Matheson who plays Kenneth Carlisle. That is the boyfriend of oh, Slim yeah. Van Dorn, who is not an ugly man, but Hallmark really uh, tries to convince <laughs> us is no, he's just he's an average looking guy. I wouldn't if I yeah. saw him on the street, I wouldn't be like, oh, look at that uggo. He's just a no. normal looking yeah, guy who but... Hall, Hallmark is trying to convince us is like the hottest man because. He yeah, apparently has he's played. in a lot of these movies. Yeah, and he was in the Murder She Baked. Yeah, and As, then he was also in this other one with uh, Kristen Bell, where he played a quote-unquote hot uh, resort owner. I yeah. was not aware Kristen Bell was in a Hallmark movie. Wait, I might be getting his name wrong. Um, the one from The Good Wife and Jag, not. Yeah, I don't know who that is. That's not Kristen Bell. <laughs> Kristen Bell is Dax Shepard's. Yeah, yeah, uh, Veronica Mars. Yes. Maybe Lake Bell? No, 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 no. Uh, okay, well, I don't know. Who Lake Bell is uh, Lake Bell's in that um, TV show with Dax, Dax Shepard. Oh, yeah. Okay, Any, it, it doesn't matter. Like I don't know who you're talking about, and it doesn't matter. Then there is a actor named Catherine Eric. Catherine Bell. Jesus Christ. Fine, Catherine Bell. Eric Heenleyside as Uncle Jimmy. Uh, so that's the cast where of the, characters. Where the Uncle Jimmy got like top billing for this show? I mean, I guess if there wasn't a shit ton of cast in this, it really involved those people exclusively. Yeah. So considering Uncle Jimmy had like several lines of dialogue, it's probably fair that he got in the top 10. Yeah. All right. Let's get on with the synopsis. Let's let's talk a little bit about what happens in Window Wonderland. And when I say talk a little bit about it, I'm just going to go through the entire 
one hour and 20 something minute movie. I, for, I forgot to put the runtime on it. It's like an hour and a half. It is your typical full length feature runtime. So it's Christmas season in New York and the city has come alive in the pre-COVID year of 2013. It's a time of innocence where the masses walk around unmasked and huddled closely as they observe the window displays in the prestigious Manhattan department stores. We meet rigid and regimented Sloan Van Doren as she goes about her morning routine of yoga in her small Brooklyn flat that probably costs a fortune. It faces, oh, yeah. a, realistically, it faces a brick wall. Though when her blinds are drawn, there's these paintings of like these green rolling hills on them. And when they showed them for the first time, I was like, would you look at this horrible like screen print that's trying to convince us that they're, and Robbie's like, nope, wait for it. And then she goes over and pulls them up and there's like a brick wall behind them. I'm like, oh. I was like, why did she even pull them up? Like so as she could see if the brick wall was still there. Well, it lets you know that unlike other New York set shows and movies where they have these big grand apartments she's in a tiny ass apartment that faces a brick wall which i don't know when they showed that apartment it was huge it didn't seem that huge um also also they make later on like this apartment is like going for pennies i feel like this apartment is really expensive oh no in in brooklyn yeah in new york city yeah that's that's she's paying a small fortune for it (laughs) yeah um (laughs) So after her yoga, we see her primping and preening and applying her fake eyelashes, putting on her power suit. This morning montage ends with her procuring two cups of coffee, one for her and one for Mac, who is the lovable window washer at the historic McGuire's department store. He is... McGuire's. Yeah, he is... So first of all, McGuire's is sort of, in this world, it's sort of like the Macy's department store. It's been around for 100 years and for the past 95 years, they've done these huge window displays that attract the crowds and brings people in to do their shopping, all that good stuff. And then there's mm-hmm. this disheveled old man who is just <laughs> out there every morning braving the elements out in the cold. And keep in mind, this is supposed to be December in New York and people are just like walking around in light jackets. It's freaking freezing in December yeah. in New York. So I would I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, I've never been to New York. There's even one part where um Kyler Lee is wearing like a sleeveless dress. (laughs) Granted, she's like standing in the window of the store, but I can guarantee you that little alcove isn't heated. (laughs) It's probably freezing in there, but she's just standing in there doing her thing without any sleeves on. But so every morning she meets up with Mac and she gives him a cup of coffee and they chat in the morning while he's supposed to be washing the windows. So she just stops him in the middle of his stuff and talks with him for 20 minutes. Meanwhile, in Manhattan, we see Jake, whose morning is decidedly different from Sloan's as he wakes in a glorious king-size bed. He brushes his teeth in a roomy high-end bathroom. He gets dressed (laughs) and he heads out into the bustling streets where he lifts a crossword puzzle from a man sitting on a park bench at a bus stop so that he and Mac can work the clues together. This is clearly a morning ritual. He's stumped on one clue and he approaches Mac and he's like, hey, Mac, give me a nine-letter word for Spanish moss. And Mac's like, mistletoe because it's fucking christmas in hallmark world so yeah and this movie oddly revolves around mistletoe all christmas movies on hallmark somehow involve mistletoe yeah but uh yeah so turns out jake knows mac as well and in addition to 
um, Sloan buying Mac coffee, he and Jake do the crossword every morning together. So two lovely disparate people are friends with this lowly window washer. So both Jake and Sloan arrive at their basement office at McGuire's. They work in merchandising or marketing, I'm assuming. I don't know the exact department. Or uh, it's um they say it later, it's merchandising. Okay. Or something. It's not entirely yeah. clear. We learn that Sloan has been there for two years and Jake has been in the department for a couple months. And when you oh, know, yeah. they're both vying for the newly opened position of window dresser because some ungrateful twat quit after years of creating fabulous scenes that charm and delight passersby, drawing big crowds into the store to conduct their so crucial holiday shopping. But she left and went to the competition. Yeah, Miss Jeffries. Miss Jeffries. The often spoken of never seen miss jeffries in also fact, i'm not uh, quite sure if the woman's name is miss jeffries or the position's name is miss jeffries yes because they keep referring to the position as the new miss jeffries robbie i'm pretty sure that's her name don't be stupid <laughs> sloan <laughs> sloan feels that with her degree in art of some type it's never explained what she just has a degree in art uh, and the fact that she's been a window dresser for two years now that she's a shoo-in she and Jake both want the role, but perfectionist boss, Mr. Fitch, isn't pleased with either of them, but begrudgingly comes up with a brilliant idea. Uh, come up with a window concept by morning, and the one with the best execution gets the job. Because he's fucking cruel, and instead of just making a decision, he has to pit two employees against each other at yeah. what is supposed to be the most joyful time of year. Yeah, but he's evil. He has a pencil mustache that he draws on himself. Yes, he, <laughs> he definitely has a pe pencil mustache and he wears the, these like three-piece suits. It's just, and he's a young guy. He's not old, which is even weirder. Um, yeah. And I don't know if he's supposed to be likable or not. He's not. Ooh, oh, I don't think so. Yeah, he, he's not. He's not the worst. He's he's a hallmark mean boss. He's not a real oh, yeah. mean boss. So he's, yeah, he's not Darcy from... Uh, uh, winner takes all no yeah no he's not a darcy but he's just he's he's not the super likable but he's not also horrible he's just a, a young go-getter boss who just cares about the bottom dollar and that's it yeah um sloan comes across as wooden man as wooden as a mannequin i'm not gonna lie she's generally in my opinion unlikable her no-nonsense approach and determination clashes with the upbeat and playful Jake, who is quippy and by all appearances a carefree guy. He is the rose to Sloane's Dorothy. So I had more, I mean, I had problems with how both of them were written, but I had way more issues with his character than I did hers. Well, he seems to be in this state of arrested development where he seems yes. he's very childish. Uh, he doesn't have any sense of urgency. And this becomes more clear later on just how lack of urgency <laughs> his life is. It, like, it all mm -hmm. becomes alarmingly clear that he has no drive or ambition and he makes terrible decisions. But Sloan... On the other hand, she's not very likable. She, no, she does one thing in this movie that I'm like, that's a lot. She does several things. I, well, I'm hopefully I wrote down what 
the part you're talking about. If I don't, then you can circle back I'll, around. Yeah, I'll circle back around. But I, I'm pretty sure you did. It was a pretty big part of the movie. Yeah, so both of these characters are not very likable, which is odd for a Hallmark movie where there yeah. should be somebody who's likable. And again, not di- not a ding against Kyler Lee, who is a wonderful human being in real life. And mm-hmm. she does her best to come across as like sweet and loving in this. But again, she's working with what she has and the writers mm-hmm. did their best to make this character not so likable. There's several things that happen. Yeah. So after work outside of the store, a town car pulls up and the window rolls down and we meet Kenneth Carlisle, Sloan's pretentious white collar executive boyfriend. He's a corporate executive and uses words like partners when discussing his coworkers. So he's obviously a hard human being by Hallmark standards. He has the fucking audacity to want to take her to Aspen for the holidays, which she turns down because window. Um, well, well, she's all like, hey, I have to work. And he's like, oh, yeah, your little window job. Yeah. So they do these, they give him these little digs to make him seem like a horrible person. I want to go on record and say, he seems to genuinely care for her. He wants to spend time with her. He wants to be with her. And it's not his fault that he thinks the way that he does about her because uh yes yeah there's reasons he thinks that they're on the same page mm-hmm. and yeah he, yeah, that's he doesn't not, know they're living two different lives right and that's not fair to him and that's not fair to the character because it makes hallmark is like this guy is a jackass and you shouldn't like him but he's not horrible he wants to take her on vacations. He wants to be. A, he wants her to be a part of his life. He wants her yes. to go to these functions and these dinners with him. He wants people to know that they're that they're a couple. He's complimentary of her. Like like, he's not a bad guy. Like I was watching, and he this, actually oh. and he actually does try to help her out in her career. Yes, so he's doing all the right things, but for some reason, Hallmark's like this guy's an asshole, and you shouldn't like him because you know he's corporate and. Hallmark is a giant corporation with money and power. And they want us to believe that people who work for corporations who have money and who have power are bad. It's one of the bigger television networks. Yeah. Yeah. So Sloan spends all night workshopping her idea and mocking up designs complete with measurements. So, you know, she's serious. Carefree Jake, however, spends all night doing nothing. But the next morning, to prove that he's some kind of savant, he quickly grabs a napkin and jots down his idea because he's a secret genius, everybody. This is about Jake really pissed me off. I was like, fuck this dude. Nobody likes somebody who slacks off, does nothing all night, watches TV. It's like there's idiots who don't study for a test and then they pass it and they're like, I'm just naturally smart. I just retain things. It's um, like, shut up. Yeah. It's like these people who eat whatever they want and they tell you, I just eat whatever I want and I don't gain weight. I'll punch you in the fucking throat. Yeah, I mean, if we all had tapeworms, we could do the same thing. So Sloan is super frustrated by this. So she gets up and goes to the ladies' room to wind down because nothing is more relaxing than the smell of urine, feces, and disposed sanitary napkins. <laughs> it's here. We're inter- Have you ever been in a ladies' room? Yes. It smells so bad. I worked for a um, 
<laughs> for a retail store a ho- during the holidays. I worked for a, uh, it was called MJ Designs at the time. They later all became this arts and craft shop called Michael's. But uh, I was MJ Designs at the time. And at the end of the night, I would clean the bathrooms and I would go into the men's room and it would be spotless. I would go into the ladies' room and it looked like Battle Royale <laughs> happened. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> there was every possible, there was every, every possible body female body fluid on the floors because women don't sit on the toilet they hover and they're happy as long as they get in the general vicinity of the toilet it's gross not not as disgusting as your story but at work we used to keep the power washer in this way too small closet in the women's room so every time I had to go use the power washer, I had to like, we had to like usher any women that were in there out. <laughs> Love Break it off, ladies. Break it off, bitches. I need, a, I, <laughs> I need the power I need washer. A, I need to spend 30 minutes trying to get a power washer out of this closet that wasn't designed to have a power washer in it. <laughs> ah, so anyhow, it's in the bathroom we're introduced to Rita. She's a middle-aged bathroom attendant with a cart of cloth hand towels, lotions, perfumes, and a tip jar. She is middle-aged cor- is very generous. She's very generous, but we're supposed to believe she's middle-aged. Um, okay. She is, of course, sassy and dispenses unsolicited, uh, unsolicited advice about Sloane's wardrobe and makeup choices. She's like, girl, she's didn't I... Your lipstick. Yeah, she's like, didn't I tell you about that lipstick, honey? I feel like... The writers were either writing a stereotypical black woman or a drag queen. Well, you know, drag queen would work a little bit better with Naomi. Well, yes, I'm just saying if they didn't cast Naomi Judd and they didn't have this twist that comes out later, I feel like that this would have been like Loretta Devine. This would have been... um, Well, seeing as how many of of these Christmas movies Vivica A. Fox is in... Yes, it could have been Vivica. It could have been RuPaul. It could have been any sassy <laughs> person. Yes. So I feel like that's where that was going at first. But it's it's Rita, ladies and gentlemen, just crazy Rita. So um, after getting a full dressing down by Rita, Sloan is like, "Okay, I'm good to go." So she goes to Mister Fitch's office, who advises her that both designs, hers and Jake's, were passable. And that both slain, slain, Jesus. So that both Sloan and Jake have been given the opportunity to realize their vision. One will design the north window of the store while the other designs the south. And whoever brings in the most traffic will get the job. Oddly, the windows are not on opposite sides of the building, but right next to each other. So why they're called the north and the south window is anyone's fucking guess. It's literally on the same side of the building, right next to each other. Also, like, the competition would only make sense if they were on opposite sides of the building. How would you gauge if somebody came in for one window instead of the other when they're right next to each other? Right, because the whole thing is, is the windows are designed to bring in foot traffic. So if everybody's coming in through the main entrance and looking at these two windows side by side, there's no way to gauge Yeah, unless you're taking a a pole like, like when people walk in, they're like, what window brought you in here? There's no way to know. Furthermore, yeah. I don't think windows really do that anymore. They don't, this isn't like Miracle on 34th Street. This isn't Mannequin or Mannequin 2 on the move. Or, or life, life size. size. Yes, this isn't. Jinx. Yeah, we're not. You owe me a Coke. There's not. 
there's not that's not how people operate people don't choose to go into store based upon what's in the window like not in 2013 well, not in 2013, not in 2020, yeah. maybe back in the 80s was like the heyday of department yeah. store windows. And yeah. now, eh, not so much. Yeah. They're neat well, to see. We're not even going, we're not even going into department stores anymore. No. But if you if you go into a department store and you're in New York, you're going to be going into Macy's because it's Macy's. You're going to be going yeah. into FAO Blue Schwartz Windows. because it's FAO Schwartz. You're going to go into Bloomingdale's because it's Bloomingdale's. You're going to go into all these anchor landmark stores because yeah. you're in new york and that's what you're supposed to do you don't care what's in the window i might be completely wrong but i don't think i am no i i i listen if you're wrong i'm wrong because i think the exact same thing like this is crazy yeah so at this point sloan sets about the daunting task of conceptualizing her design into reality the design she spends days and hours on comes to fruition and it is literally this a back wall wallpapered with the skyline of New York and a brown paper cutout. It's like a paper bag cutout of the Statue of Liberty wearing, and it's just the silhouette of the Statue of Liberty, wearing a Santa cap and it's taped to the front window. So there's this paper Statue of Liberty wearing a Santa cap taped to the front window. And in the background, there's the skyline of New York. I'm not it's sure. It's so she, fucking stupid. It is stupid, mostly because I'm not sure why this is what she considered high art, considering <laughs> this takes place in New York City and people can see the real fucking skyline and the Statue of Liberty whenever the fuck they want. No New Yorker or even a visitor to New York is going to be like, oh, look, that's the New York skyline. They're not going to look at a fucking window and be like, oh, that's so realistic. Look how realistic the skyline looks when they can literally turn around and see the real fucking skyline. Her other ones are way better than this one. Like, Well, this one I don't think was supposed to be good because keep in mind, the whole point yeah. is that Jake's oh. is supposed to be better. No, I actually, I think I just actually figured something out too. What's that? Oh, well, you're probably gonna edit this out, but I think because remember, she doesn't get better until she goes to the art class. Right, that's in here, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Jake's masterpiece is a bustling 21st century interpretation of Santa's workshop that puts Sloan's minimalist approach to shame, thus proving that if you're a procrastinating white male, you will beat out an art school educated female employee any day of the week. Fitch. I, I, want, I really hate to say this, but his was way better. It was way better. And he didn't go to art school, so... No, he... Well, no, he, he drops out. Yes, he's an art school dropout. Um, yeah. Fitch, the department store manager, tells Sloan that if she wants to be next level, she needs to step up her game and suggests that she take art lessons. First of all, how fucking insulting is that? Bitch graduated <laughs> with an art degree, and he's like, you should probably go and take some art lessons. Look at the guy who can't even... Uh draw his own mustache yeah it's it's I, I would have just quit right on the spot but whatever so he tells her Burn down the department yeah, store he tells her you suck and what you really need to do i know you probably spent a lot of money on a fine art degree but you need you need to go and take a a, a two-hour drawing course at some local art studio in new york so of course, Sloan goes to an art studio and discovers that her nemesis, Jake, works there as an artist's model, completely clothed because this is yeah, the, Hallmark. 
Yeah, um, the the most clothed artist model on the planet. Yes. And because this is because in the busiest and most congested city in the US, filled with art classes and studios, Sloan just happens to pick the very one in which Jake works, in quotes. I just did air quotes. She does some classwork. And after the session, Jake shows her a painting he's been working on. It's a mix of Thomas Kincaid and Norman Rockwell. It's fairly decent, but he decides to compliment. So he decides to go compliment fishing and tells Sloan that he should just give up. And she, of course, encourages them not to give up because he has some raw talent. You know, the raw talent that kicked her ass in window design. <laughs> so well, also, like, this painting looks like something that you would either find at a moderately priced motel or your grandma's living room. Yeah, I mean, it's good as far as, like, like Hallmark talent is. It's not bad. It's, more, yeah. it's better than I could do. Actually, it looks like something you'd find at a Hallmark store. Yeah. I mean, it's better than I could do. So it looked okay. It wasn't going to win him any awards, but she's like, this is beautiful and you have some raw talent. Um, so I had, why he kicked I didn't, even, I didn't even believe in God until I saw this painting. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Jesus came down and pointed out all the subtle brush strokes that make up this amazing art piece. So Sloan steps out and heads to dinner over her mother's house. It's here we learn that her mom is none other than Rita the toilet bitch. We also meet Rita's brother, uh, Sloan's uncle. I want uncle. to point out, you called this really early on. <laughs> Oh, I did. I was just like, this is going to be her mom. I don't know why. I was like, nah, this is, I was like, nah, this is just some wise toilet lady. I actually also called the twist ending really early on, too. You did. Yeah. You did. So we also meet Rita's brother, who is um, Sloan's uncle, Jimmy. Uh, he's a salt-of-the-earth plumber, and he owns a company called Drain Surgeon. He keeps telling people, I'm the drain surgeon, you know, like brain surgeon. Yeah. So, Rita mentions that she shared an elevator ride with a nice young man named Jake and that she likes him and she thinks that Jake should come to the annual night before Christmas Eve dinner. There's this line where they talk about how, why they do the night before Christmas Eve dinner. So it's like Christmas Eve's Eve dinner. And the line was, we're hardworking people, we work on Christmas. I'm pretty sure the toilets at the department store are closed on Christmas Day. <laughs> so I don't understand. Well, but... he, yeah, I don't know what she's doing. And I doubt that Uncle Jimmy is, maybe he is working. I don't know. People eat a lot of food on Christmas and they might stop a toilet up and somebody needs to go and call the drain. Uncle surgeon. Jimmy is the only one who made sense to be working on Christmas. Yeah, because stuff happens. There's emergencies. Yeah. People need plumbers. But like... I don't think there's emergency marketing that needs to be done on Christmas Day. Eh, probably not. I, I don't know. I don't think there's a lot of people dying to, you know, go use a public restroom in a closed department store that's closed down for Christmas Day. Yeah, I can't imagine. So Uncle Jimmy says, yeah, I think it's a great idea. You should definitely invite this Jake guy over. I'm making, what did he say? I'm making Turduncan. And yeah. Sloan is like, don't you mean turducken, the turkey, duck, and chicken combination? He's like, no, this is turducken. It is turkey dipped in Dunkin' Donuts batter and deep fried. Which sounds like the grossest thing on the planet. Yeah, like, the whole family like, deserves to what, die in a what? tragic Christmas time house fire. Like, I'll eat some experimental bullshit, but this was beyond. I was like, you just ruined a turkey. 
Where are you even getting the Dunkin' Donut donut batter from? That was my question, too. They don't just give them that shit out. No, it's not like you can go into a Dunkin' Donut and be like, let me get a five-gallon bucket of your donut batter. And then they'll be like, well, what kind of donut batter? Do you want blueberry? <laughs> do you want cake? Do you want the, the honey dip? Do you want whatever? It's like... Yeah, this had more questions than answers. Yeah. So Rita mentions that she would like to say that she likes Kenneth. So she's... She, this is I worded this poorly. She mentions to Sloan after saying she likes Jake. She's like, I would like to say that I like this Kenneth gentleman, but uh, we've yet to meet him. This is her subtle way of saying, you're probably ashamed of us. So I understand, but we've yet to meet Kenneth. So we can't say if we like him or not. That's more for the viewer to know that they've never met. Yes. Um, we discover that Sloan is ashamed of her blue collar life and that Kenneth has no idea who her mom is or that, she, or that Sloan comes from such humble stock. Also, this drives home the point that Sloan is a fucking twat. Uh, Kenneth doesn't even know Sloan's last name. No. Oh, no, he does. He, oh, you're correct. No, he doesn't. You're correct. And that comes up later. Uh, the next day, Window Wars continues. Sloan, dro <laughs> Sloan drops off a fresh cup of coffee to Mac in the morning, and Jake and Mac work on their crossword together per usual. Later that day, Mac brings in some cookies from the cafeteria to Sloan uh, to integrate into her window design. <laughs> Jake pokes his head through the partition from the window room next door, and the two trade barbs. Mark laughs and says that they remind him of his dead wife, presumably before she died. And he says that <laughs> he says that bickering is a sign of affection. So he's Which doing is not. this. Yeah, it's not <laughs> at all. He's doing this whole like thing where he's like, he's like, oh, look at you two. You guys are so cute together. And he's he's force feeding the audience, the viewing audience. Yeah. And he's trying to get the audience to be like, oh, you yeah, we totally get it. Ain't they cute? So Which any of us who's ever been in a healthy relationship is like, no, this is awful. Yeah. Not that kind of bickering, not the bickering that they're doing. The kind of bickering they're doing, even for, for rom-com standards, is just annoying. Yeah. And you're like, these two people should not be together. But Yeah, they should be dating. They shouldn't be in the same room yeah. together. But it's Hallmark, so obviously we know what the end result's going to be. Later that night, we see Jake brushing his teeth in his fancy-looking bathroom. And we realize now just how much that bathroom looks like the bathroom in which Rita is an attendant. So he finishes up and steps into his bedroom, which is not a bedroom at all, but the bedding section of the department store McGuire's. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He sets an alarm. He crawls into bed. That's right, everybody. He lives in the store. And each morning he gets up before the crowds arrive, before the store opens for the public. He gets dressed, he goes outside, he steals a crossword puzzle and makes his way back to the store to do his crossword with the lovable window washer, Mac. So um, you're probably gonna, well, bring up, a, you're gonna bring oh. up a lot of things that I get to in a little bit, oh, so okay. just shut the fuck up. Over okay. the next few days, Jake continually mops the floor with Sloan in competition. Sloan complains to her boyfriend, Kenneth, and Kenneth mentions that it might be time for his dad to make another call to old man McGuire, the owner of the department store, of whom Kenneth's dad is a fellow club member. What club? Who the fuck knows? Rich people club. Yeah, it's just the rich white man yeah. club. Sloan is horrified to learn that it was this connection that resulted in her even getting a shot at the window to begin with. Everything Kenneth is doing seems pretty damn nice. Uh, but he's treated, again, like a cold-blooded asshole. 
Kenneth asks Sloane if she will accompany him to his firm's Christmas party. Having brushed him off several times already for several other functions, she relents. That evening, the at the department store, Sloane gussies herself up and is leaving the store looking like a million bucks when Jake sees her and tells her that she doesn't need to try so hard, that she's naturally a pretty woman, which I'm sure any woman wants to hear from some guy that she doesn't like. As she walks away to meet Kenneth, she sees Jake turn back around and head back toward the store. She's convinced that he's gonna sabotage her window, so she follows him and discovers his horrifying secret that he lives in the store. Then, because misfortune is a motherfucker, the store goes into lockdown for the night with Sloan trapped inside with no cell phone signal. Why this giant department store has no cell phone signal, I don't know. It's probably in an yeah. old building that's made completely of stone. So chances are there probably is no cell phone signal. Well, also, I feel like she would already have known that this place has no cell phone signal since she's you know there every day. Yeah. Oh, she did know because she had mentioned it earlier that there was no cell phone signal. Oh, okay. So yeah, that was just a throwaway line. So when she gets trapped, you know there's no cell phone signal. Like she has no way to call anybody, specifically Kenneth, to let him know, hey, I'm going to miss your party. So she is going to miss Kenneth's party with his firm, and she has a breakdown. Jake, to rub things in further, hands her a napkin with which to dry her tears, but it has one of his sketches on it, and Sloane realizes that she is a hack and hurls her body over the third floor railing where she splatters <laughs> to the floor two stories below, exploding like a balloon filled with blood, and Jake mentions that she's stealing Jackson Pollock's work. She comes back to life and sulks, but things get better as the night progresses, and she gets Stockholm Syndrome and starts falling for her frenemy. The two gallivant through the store, stealing candy and eating it, playing ping pong, dancing through the different Christmas scenes, playfully avoiding the one security guard who fucking sucks at his job as there has been a man living oh, yeah, in the guy. store after hours in the open for the past eight weeks and he has never discovered this. Yeah, this guy is the worst character. This is the true villain of this movie. I feel like I need to back up and clarify something. Sloan didn't throw herself over the balcony like, that's <laughs> oh i, I don't think, think anybody i don't think anybody believed you not just in case people were like oh my god and then she came back to life that's the twist it's a christmas miracle i didn't want people <laughs> to think that that's not what the christmas miracle is in this yeah also um, i think the christmas miracle would have been that um hallmark had a suicide subplot in yes. one of their movies and she exploded like a balloon filled with blood but that didn't happen either. Um, <laughs> well, well, you, you forgot to mention that this movie was directed by Tarantino. Yes. Uh, under his pseudonym, whoever I said directed it earlier. I'm not yeah, even, some husband and wife team. Yeah, I'm not going to go back and look. Uh, so during the course of the night, Sloan reveals her secret... Sa mm, I said her secret Santa. <laughs> Sloan reveals her, her secret shame and admits that she is not Sloan Van Doren. She's just Sloan Doran. And her mother is Rita, the bathroom attendant. Actually, her name's not Doran. It's whatever her Doranetta or whatever her, her mother's yeah. name is. Yeah. Yeah, because um, not only is she not only is she ashamed of these people, but she's ashamed of being Italian. Yes. So she just completely dropped any any sense of the, the Italian, whatever. So anyhow. She's like so, vowels? Yeah, so she's like, my name's my name is Sloan Doran. It's not Sloan Doranetta, even though that's my mom's name. By the way, Rita, the bathroom attendant, is my mom. 
And then she admits that she added the Vaughn to her name to sound sophisticated and hide her background from the world and from Kenneth. Jake then reveals that he too has been living a lie and that he is living at the store and Sloane's like, you nasty. But she feels bad for Jake and invites him to the family's annual dinner. She mentions Ter Duncan, and he too is white trash enough to have heard of it. He accepts the invite. Somehow, they trip an alarm, and they end up having to spend the night hiding in the Christmas wrapping paper closet from a security guard who probably has no idea what the shrill chirping noises that's blasting through the fucking store, because he's clueless. There's one security guard for this whole three-story store, yeah. which seems ridiculous. And he, and he sucks. He's dreadful. So that night, everyone shows up at uh, Rita's for dinner. There's a knock at the door, and it's Mac, who shows up and announces that he is Rita's date for the night. As the festivities begin and dinner is served, which that turkey looks fucking disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope to God Tur Duncan is not a real thing. I hope nobody has ever dipped a turkey in batter and deep fried it. The next evening, Jake, Rita, and Sloan are standing outside at the end of their shift. Kenneth pulls up in his town car and mistakes Rita for a beggar. He calls her over. He's like, hey, lady, come over here. And she walks over and she's drinking. She has a cup of eggnog that she's drinking. And he thinks, (laughs) Kenneth thinks that Rita is a beggar and he drops like two quarters into her <laughs> mug of eggnog because he thinks that it's her beggar's cup. Sloan berates him and he apologizes and gives her a few dollars to, so that she can get another cup of eggnog. Sloan tells him that Rita is her mother and Kenneth looks confused and kind of hurt that Sloan has lied this entire time. Yeah. And yeah, he then he just nopes out of the whole situation and has his driver take him away. Because yeah, she's all like, reaction. stay, we'll fight about it. Yeah, she's like, don't you want to fight about it? And then he's just like, fuck you, bitch, and drives off, which is the most normal reaction to have when you find out, I don't know how long they've been in a relationship, but it's apparently been a while that he wants to go on trips with her. Yeah, long enough. And then to find out that her last name isn't really her real last name, that um, this woman who works at the bathroom is her mother and that that her uncle is a plumber and like i don't think kenneth necessarily would have had any issue with this because he does come back later and is like let's try to work things out but at this point he's just hurt of course now hallmark is like this guy is the villain he's not even going to give her the time of day and he drives off that night is the night that everyone shows up for dinner at rita's and that's when mac shows up and is like I'm your, I'm your, your mother's boyfriend. I'm dating her for tonight. And then the festivities begin, dinner is served, and they get into this little playful food fight. And then Sloan, in this instant, finds her inspiration for her window. The next night at the big reveal of McGuire's holiday windows, the typically excelling Jake unveils a rather pretty minimalistic. Yeah, I don't know what the, f- yeah. I don't know what the fuck this was. Yeah, he reveals this minimalistic window. He wants Sloan to get the job because he cares about her. Her window opens to reveal a live family dinner in progress in a warm (laughs) holiday-themed dining room. A playful food fight begins because that's the inspiration and all all the crowds outside are laughing and they're like, oh, look at that. And then for some reason, the people that they hired to play the family went crazy. And 
they they go to psycho and literally start getting into a violent food fight. There's food smashing into the windows, bodies being thrown around. I don't even know what's happening at this point. Well, I have a lot of questions about this installation to begin with. So I'm like, this has to be here for like, I don't know the exact amount of time, but at least the whole day, right? So what, were these people going to have a food fight for like 12 hours? Mm, don't know. I don't think it was supposed to go as far as it went. I think they were just supposed to Oh, no, there. I don't think it was definitely not supposed to go that far. Yeah, so I think they were just supposed to occasionally throw like one little piece of food playfully, but yeah. somebody took offense and it turned into a all-out food <laughs> fight. The crowds are like, this is fucking disgusting. We're getting out of here. Nobody goes into the store. The crowds disperse in horror at the site, and both Jake and Sloan are fired on the spot for their shitty decisions. Later Man. that night, Sloan stops. I was okay with this. Yeah, me too, because they're both horrible and they should never have been given the opportunity that they were given. Yeah. Later that night, Sloan stops by the art studio and brings Jake a cup of coffee as an apology for getting him fired. They talk a bit and she sees that Jake has finished his painting. She looks at it. She thinks it's a fantastic painting. There's now a couple who are ice skating. There's a cabin in the background. It's in the woods. There's snow and ice skating. And it just looks like Christmas on canvas. So she's like, you know what? This, this painting deserves to be seen in the best gallery in the world. The window of McGuire's. Yeah, you know, the Louvre, um, name another place, McGuire's. MoMA, yeah, McGuire's. So the two of them sneak back to the department store from which they were fired. And because security is non-existent, Jake's code still works and he gets into the store after hours, much to the chagrin of Sloan, who realizes now that they were not truly trapped in the store at all the previous night. He could have gotten out if he truly wanted to. She acts hurt for about three minutes while Jake admits that he did it because he really likes Sloane and the only way to spend time with her was to kidnap her and hold her hostage. She's also like upset for like the wrong reasons. Yes, she's, she's upset that he lied about the code not working, not the fact that he literally held her hostage. Yeah, and, and kept her from like going to see her actual boyfriend. Right. Well, I mean, she's so checked out of this relationship at this point. Yeah, that's done. So Jake and Sloan decide to do the kind thing and clean up after the food fight. They're like, we screwed up. We owe it to Fitch to at least clean up the department store window. So they go about doing that. Despite being fired, they've now broken in and entered a building that they're no longer employed by and they should not have the right to access. So no, while the- those, car- those car keys should have been disactivated like yeah should definitely have been deactivated so while they're cleaning up the window kenneth shows up knocks on the window she goes out and she sees him and he tells sloan that his trip to aspen was canceled but he still wants to be with her and that he doesn't care about those people meaning her family when he said those people when he was like i don't care about those people i don't think he meant it as in like those people it didn't come across that way that he was being condescending it's hard to tell he probably was in Hallmark's way, but I've been in his corner for the whole movie that it's kind of hard for me to think, it's hard for me to think that he was being truly condescending. It comes well, across I mean, saying he doesn't care about her upbringing, that he just wants to be with her. Yeah, well, it's like, 
I kind of felt so like there's a lot of themes in this movie that were just were not ex- ex- explored because it was a whole Hallmark Christmas movie. But like this man was not given the the choice uh, the choice to react to any of this information organically. It was like all like dropped on his lap in a very dramatic way. So and and we're supposed to like hate him because he had a normal human reaction to his girlfriend. Uh, live action catfishing him she then in the middle of uh, of him doing a mia call and saying hey i can can we give this another shot she's like you're wearing cologne and then she's like oh you must have put it on for another woman and he says yeah it's some friend at the office who i took as my plus one no, it was uh, the woman who worked at the uh, cologne counter that's correct yeah it was the woman yeah. who worked at the cologne counter and i guess he took her as his plus one to the dinner party mm-hmm. or something yeah and s- since yeah. you know since she dropped off the face of the earth <laughs> and, and, had a, reach and, and had a complete emotional affair yes she had a complete emotional affair almost kissed jake during their whole little trapped in the in the closet night um yeah so he ended up taking and you knew that, that kenneth was familiar with the 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 girl at the the cologne counter they interacted before so yeah it didn't seem like he, yeah, I mean, he made a poor choice, but he was like, I want somebody to go to this company dinner with me. And he even told her, yeah, it was a poor decision, but I wanted somebody to go with me. I wanted to have a plus one and I had no idea where you were. He says it was harmless, that they didn't do he anything. He may be lying. He may be lying. I think we're supposed to believe that he's lying. But given the fact that all she's done is lie to him, I really don't feel bad for her. Yeah. And that's that's a problem. But anyhow, I don't think he did anything wrong. I think he legit just took her to dinner. Because like I said, it, up until now, he does genuinely seem to care for Sloan. He's not using her. He's not mistreating her. He's actually treating her pretty darn well. So yeah. who knows? Um, but he's the Hallmark villain, so he's got to be horrible. So she unceremoniously just dumps Kenneth, despite her having spent the night with Jake and almost kissing him while having a full-blown emotional affair over the last few nights. Jake and Sloane spend all night finishing their window masterpiece as an apology to Finch in the store. As they leave, they trip the alarm and they're caught caught by the popo or the store security. I'm not sure who it was, Uh, but whoever it is, they have handcuffs and they cuff both Jake and Sloan, and make them stand by the store until backup arrives or the yeah, cops arrive. Yeah. Who knows what they're? Oh, they were for. actual cops. They were. It, it said NYPD. Yeah, so I don't know what they were waiting for. So they make them stand out front of the store in handcuffs until somebody shows up. A black sedan pulls up, and the window rolls down. The security guard or the cop gets called over and they lean into the car window and they talk to somebody for a few seconds. Then they return, the security guard or the cop returns to Sloan and Jake and tells them that they're free to go while removing the cuffs. The cuffs, Jesus, the cuffs. They wonder who is in the sedan when the door opens and out steps an immaculately dressed Mac who reveals that he is actually Mr. McGuire, the owner of the department store, Mac McGuire. And I don't think his name is really Mac. I think it's just short for McGuire. McGuire. He basically says that he was never one for wealth and fortune and that he loved being a salt of the earth type and that he values friendships and kindness. uh, And he appreciates that both Jack and Sloan have afforded him this type of kindness over the years. If I was Sloan, 
I would be super I'd be so fucking pissed. I would be pissed because she's been buying this motherfucker coffee every day for two years or four years yeah. or however long she's worked in the store. Yeah. Which begs the question yeah. in all of her years working at the store, she's never met Mr. McGuire. Nobody in the store. Well, I don't think anybody has. It is, he's the owner of like the biggest department store in this version of New in York. In the world. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. somebody should, she, somebody who works there should have known who Mr. McGuire was. There should have been a picture of him somewhere in the building. But who knows? It wasn't. Just, just by happenstance, nobody knew who he was. But you know, he's the owner. He's a multimillionaire and he values his friendships that he formed with Jake and Sloan. Outside, a crowd gathers, and the new window is revealed. Jake's painting is the centerpiece of a beautiful traditional Christmas setting. Sloan and Jake are in the window scene as living mannequins. They realize they're standing under what? What are they standing under, Robbie? Mistletoe. Exactly. Full circle. Yes, they are now standing under mistletoe, and they kiss one hallmark dry kiss on the lips as the spectators look on. Fitch comes into the room and tells them that they both got the job and a raise. And everyone lives... You're, ha- you're both the new Miss Jeffers. Yes, you're both, the, you're both the new Miss Jeffries. You both get to work on windows all year round. And everyone lives happily ever after. For seven more years until a pandemic ravages the country and McGuire's <laughs> closes down, putting Sloan, Jake, and Rita out of work and Max succumbs to the disease. I assume. Okay, so... Typically, I legitly love these Hallmark movies and Hallmark content. I gotta say, I did not enjoy this movie that much. Mainly because the two leads were so unlikable. I'm going to disagree. I enjoyed this one. <laughs> yes, they were. The main characters were unlikable. We flipped. We flipped. <laughs> I know. <laughs> to me, it felt like a Christmas movie. It had winter it was in new york it had the shopping it had christmas adjacent music it had ter duncan it had naomi judd it had everything <laughs> i wanted is that a hallmark of a christmas movie i don't know but it had everything that i wanted and i was like i i just i did not enjoy like and like this is nothing to the actors uh to uh Kyler Lee, off-brand joe McHale. I think they all did whatever they could do with what they were given. But these act, these characters were just the worst. We switched. You actually really liked this movie. And I was like, this could have been better. Keeping in mind, I haven't watched a plethora of Hallmark Christmas movies. And if I do, I've never made it through an entire one. So part of this was an accomplishment for me because I watched it was. a Hallmark movie all the way through. And I didn't second screen. I literally watched... The whole thing. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. No, I actually did more second screening on this one because I was like, whatever. Yeah. I loved it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I am actually way more excited about the next movie we'll be watching, which is what? Uh, the March Sisters at Christmas. Yes, we peeped the first five minutes of this one, and it looks just to amazing. see what we're getting into. And it is the March Sisters at Christmas, and. It featured a line, "You aren't little girls anymore. You're little women." You're little women. We should probably point out that this is a Hallmark 
Christmas movie reimagining, modern reimagining of Little Women. And I'm living for it. Yes. Tony has watched one Little Woman movie his whole life. I am a Little Women stan. <laughs> yes. I, no, I've seen two versions of Little Women. I saw some. Did old you see the version. Winona Ryder? Yes. I saw the Winona Ryder version and I wanted to kill myself. Um, I usually like that version a lot. And then I saw the Greta Gerwig, the Greta Gerwig version, which was not bad. Yeah. It was enjoyable. Um, yeah. But that, Robbie, that, that one's my... Robbie has seen All 70 different versions of Little Women, including I watched the anime. An, anime. an anime. Who knew that there was an anime of Little Women? It's called Tales of I... Little Women. Yes. And there's a sequel for, uh, I think it's Tales of Little Men, too. I think it would be a lot better if it was about little people. <laughs> well, that's why we have little people LA. I know, know it's, I know it's exploitation, but there is a scene where a little person gets thrown off a boat into the water in, in one of the little, little people shows. Oh, and, is there? Oh my God. And this is horrible. So they get into a fight and, one little person gets tossed overboard into the bay or into the ocean or something. <laughs> and somebody on the internet took the scene and when the person, <laughs> when the little person gets thrown overboard, they edited out the splash that it made and they put in a little like a little like <laughs> um, I have only seen part of the first season of Little Women Dallas and there is a full-on fight in a bar between a group of little women and a group of like regular-sized women. And one of the little people during their confessional was like, I got punched in the face by a full-grown woman. That should never happen. <laughs> and I was laughing my ass off. Little the internet is amazing. Oh, it's full of horrible people. I was about to say it's also horrible, horrible. And it is horrible. But when they took the splash out and put in a little, <laughs> the little dunk, like, <laughs> oh, that made me so happy. Anyhow, not sure if I should leave that in or edit it out. I didn't oh, do it. Edited out. Oh no! Look, those little people signed up to be exploited. Oh no 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 no! They're yeah, they're making money all the way to the bank. Yeah, so they knew what they were getting into. So yes, yeah, so next. Are we reading a book or are we going to do we're going to do the we're going to do the march sisters cuz um because uh, I'm uh, uh running around uh, That is true. You're going to be out of town and we probably won't uh honestly we probably won't even get to watch that until Monday. So we'll watch it yeah. during the day and record in the evening and then edit it and have it up on Tuesday. Yeah, I think that'll be easier for everybody if we um, do the the March Sisters, and then by the time that gets over with, we'll probably be ready to do the Christmas Llama book. Yes, that should come out right around Thanksgiving, and that might be probably what we wrap the season up on uh, before our yes. Christmas break. Now, I do want to say this. I'm really excited about this. I put the feelers out there on Twitter, and I've gotten some results. I want to focus on a couple books, a couple cozy mysteries that feature women of color as the main sleuth and that are written by women of color. Yes. And I didn't know if they existed. 
I was like, does this even exist? And I put the feeler out there and I'm like, I don't hear anything back from the Twitterverse, from the Twitter sphere. I want to be really upset because I don't know what to look for on Amazon. Like I, do, like, I don't know if I put in cozy mysteries with women of color, how we get results. Cozy mystery POC. Yeah, I, I don't know what to look for in order to get those results. I don't know the names of um, authors who are women of color who are cozy writers. So I was completely stumped, but surprisingly got some several, got several results and I'm really looking forward to reading and reviewing several of these books. So over the course of the next couple, oh yeah, over the course of the, when we come back from our break, um, in the new year, we'll pick up with a book uh, that is written by and features uh, women, a woman of color. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think that we should make it a point to read and review one of them regularly. I mean, we're, we're still going to read regular uh, because people are wondering, we're still going to read like other cozy mysteries too. But I think it'd be uh, good for us to highlight these authors. Cause I don't, cause like I didn't even know they existed. And I, a pretty regular reader of the cozy franchise yeah so yeah uh, i am coining the hashtag and, and i'm going to try to make this catch on uh hashtag diversity is cozy i like that yeah so whenever we feature a author or a book uh that is features a woman of color we'll we'll hashtag it diversity is cozy highly mm-hmm. encourage you guys to if you're out there and you're retweeting or if you're an author or you're a reader and you're reading cozy mysteries featuring women of color written by women of color, please feel free to use diversity as cozy. We'll try to make that catch on. Speaking of social media, follow us on Twitter at Cozy Cub Dower Bear. On Facebook, our Facebook page is facebook.com slash Cozy Cub Dower Bear or visit our website at cozycubdowerbear.com. If you want to email us, feel free to drop us a line, host at CozyCubDowerBear.com. That's singular host, not hosts. So host at CozyCub.com, uh, CozyCubDowerBear.com, I'm sorry. And um, big shout out again to, of course, and forever, the two women who add the musical flair to our show, Libby, who does our Cozy Cub Dower Bear theme song and Emma Halpin who recorded the song for our Steep It or Stop It segment that you hear every episode. What else do you have, Cub? Yeah. Anything? Um, nothing. I think uh, I think we did a good job. Uh, that's not really for you to say. <laughs> I think I had an incredible time. How conceited for you to sit there and be like, I think we did a good job. Nobody does that. Like Shakespearean actors, right when they finish doing a Scottish play, they're not like, nailed it. I think I did an amazing job. Thanks, everyone. No, no, no. Halfway through, they do it. Like when Ophelia, or after Ophelia does her last scene, she's all like, nailed it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm glad they don't do that in, in other shows like Jesus Christ Superstar. Jesus, Actually, get Jesus gets hung I up think, on the cross I, and he's like, nailed it. <laughs> I think I got this confused too. Because um, Macbeth is the Scottish play, right? Yes. 
Okay, so yeah, so like when Lady Macbeth, like, you know, kills herself, she's all like, fucking nailed it. I thought you were just using a different Shakespearean reference. No, it worked I, fine I, the way that you did I, it. I had to fix it. And you didn't even acknowledge my Jesus being crucified slash nailed it joke. Oh, <laughs> that's kind of funny. Shut up. All right. Oh. So, yeah, no, it's too little too late. So thank you for stopping by for another episode of the Cozy Come Down Bear podcast. So until next time, stay cozy and read well. Bye. Bye.